Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thank you, Mr. Kelly, for passing the baton on to me. So, and thank you, folks, for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. If you have questions, concerns, or comments about this heat, see those pansies. Whoa, my pansies are really elongating, and the flower size is going down. That means it's almost the end of the season for them. But uh, you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We get together on Saturday mornings. We can discuss your yard, your landscape, your garden, your house plants. Potting mixes, how to improve your soil, when you should be pruning, what kinds of bugs and diseases may be out there, and plant removal, plant installation. But please remember my words are strictly to open opportunities. After that, it's going to take mental and physical work on your part in this great marathon uh, called gardening. Sprinting, it doesn't work so well as far as the long term goes. This is your show, by the way, and I certainly appreciate your being here and thanks to Samantha and Greg. It takes a duet again to produce this show because I'm so insane. I'm Mike Miller, by the way. I've hosted the Garden Hotline since 1994. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available in various locations. And I write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine. During the week, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can, come, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. Homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. And today I'm headed to uh, Huntley Woods and then back into the city near Wilmore Park. So the Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. And it stops off right now. And uh, on this Mother's Day Eve, a perfect place to think about taking your mother tomorrow for Mother's Day, something maybe she hasn't seen or hasn't seen at least this season, uh, no matter what her outlook in the outdoors or interests are or anything else, how about a unique artwork? How about strolling underneath the trees and listening to the birds? How about the sound of cascading water? Some stone walls and rain gardens, purple iris blooming, budded peonies and peonies in full flower as well. Fallen magnolia petals from earlier. Fallen dogwood petals as well. Neatly trimmed boxwood hedges. Goat's beard perennial. Don't know what goat's beard is? Well, you're going to have to look it up. And how about cat mint? And how about blue star? Check out blue star. Insomnia. A-M-S-O-N-I-A. Check it out. Very, very unique. Almost looks like a cloud hovering. Almost like fog. How about ginkgo trees? Males, of course. No female ginkgo trees, please. And oakleaf hydrangea, budded flowering onions, and some of the flowering onions are already in flower. There's a monarch 
Butterfly Way Station, certified and registered. New lawn. Woo. I mean, this lawn looks perfect. So I don't know if they had to put it down as sod, I think, but maybe not. Gentle Hill to Climb. A birch tree forest. Dwarf Joe Pie Weed. Signing says you can soak it up from your home. You can download this new app to map out your stroll. You can have an audio tour and learn about the artists and all their artwork. Where is this fantastic place? Well, it's City Garden, right along Market, between 10th, eastward from 10th, and it just keeps going and going and going and going and going. While walking, take a look up, down, and all around. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions or concerns or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Actually, Samantha is going to be answering the phone, so Greg's here kind of helping her get uh, acclimated a little bit more. She's already had some acclimation, but she needs a little bit more acclimation. Let's go to St. Peter's for the first call and see what's going on in Bill's yard. Bill, how are you? About cinch bugs in my zoysia grass, I think I have them. I'm not sure what the signs are and what you do for them. I would probably, rather than guessing or rather than guessing or doing anything else, I'd have a professional service come out and take a look, to be honest with you. Cinch bugs are really small. They're really tiny. If you want to get down on your hands and knees and rake through your grass, they're really like tiny blackish, blackish bugs. And they do some damage as far as, you know, they virtually can kill off major patches of your zoysia, where a lot of times in the historically there was zoysia decline, which was just uh, you know a disease. There was just age with the zoysia, and now we're starting to find more and more of the cinch bugs. So if you're really serious about this, I'd get a professional service rather than trying to guess yourself. Oh, okay, thanks, Mike. Yep. yep. And, yeah, the cinch bugs are something that's it's not relatively new, but it's something that People have, you know, the professionals have taken the time and effort to realize that there has been problems with any kind of lawn here. It doesn't really matter what it is. And so consequently, you know, it's just you keep changing. You have to keep up to date. And the lawn services are going to be who keeps you up to date. Let's go now to Joyce. And she lives in St. Louis. Joyce, how are you today? I'm all right. Good morning. Hi. Hi. you said something about grass seed last last week that it's not good to plant. I have zoysia grass. I had just the same thing the guy just said about those bulbs. Mm-hmm. I had those, and I had to dig all my my old grass up and put I put about twenty patches of zoysia grass down. Okay, I got the other bare spots, and I've been trying to put grass seed in there. Or do you think I should just go on and try to get some more zoysia this year and? Get all that other old grass out. Yeah, I would get rid of the old grass. Just give yourself a whole lawn of zoysia. That's going to be much better for you. Then it's going to avoid sort of like the the green in the wintertime where the grass seed that you're putting down will be. And the zoysia at that time will be tan. So you're always going to have this kind of mixture of colors. And it's never going to look, let's say, uniform as far as yeah texture and color-wise. I'll probably do some more of this uh, um yeah, just well, get some plugs. It's still, it's still some zoysia grass left out there. How long do it take that stuff to catch? I thought they say if it, it'll catch. 
Well, if you're getting the sod, it you know it could take up to two weeks. It's all related to soil temperature, and the root system's got to go out. You've got to keep it watered, especially during the first couple weeks that you put it down. No, so, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about for the zoysia grass to catch for the old other grass. Well, it's gonna you know it just depends upon the health, fertilizing, and everything else as far as running over it. So that's kind of what you're looking at. So thanks, Joyce. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you. And now let's go to Vandalia, Illinois, and see what's going on with Ed. Ed, how are you? Good morning. Thank you. Fine. I have uh, two Bartlett pear trees. Um, One has never bloomed or or, uh, put on any fruit. The other one put fruit on last year, and this year there has been no blooms and obviously no fruit set on. Uh, this year at all. I was wondering if there was something soil-wise that needs to be taken care of because I have a peach tree close to it, to them both, and um, it's just loaded with peaches, so I'm just trying to figure out why I'm not getting any blooms this year. Uh, Could be just... We had that cold snap. The flower buds could have been impacted there in Vandalia as far as that's why. How old are these trees? Um, One is... Three years old, and the second one is two years old. Well, you're probably very lucky you haven't had any flowering, because flowering oh. really stresses out the you know the plants in general. So if you bought them and they were in flower, they were using steroids from the production nurseries to make it so they would be in flower, so you'd realize what you're getting. But those that age, you shouldn't really you know be all that much concerned about seeing any kind of flowers on any of them. If they have plenty of foliage, if the foliage is dark green, if they look healthy. That's about the best thing you could possibly have right now. Because I know your peach tree has to be older. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I, I and because it's it's uh you know it has peaches set on already. I just didn't. Uh, I assumed that the cold weather did impact the peaches, so it would not have been, have impacted the pear trees as well because. Isn't a pear tree a little hardier than a peach tree? Not necessarily. Uh, A young pear tree is not hardier than a well-established peach tree. So age has a whole lot. It's just like people. It's just like pets or anything else. Age has a lot to do with acclimation and the ability to withstand, you know, let's say fluctuations in temperature and everything else. Okay. Um, What is the average age of a pear tree then to uh, be able to set fruit on? Well, this you, you know the fruits on these. You said you had a Bradford pear, right? Uh, Bartlett. Oh, Bartlett pear. I would say you're probably looking, if it's not a dwarf, it's a regular size, I'd say you're probably looking at about seven to nine years before you're going to get much fruit production. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your show. Yes. Well, thank you for having me on your show. All right. Have a good day. Yes, you too. Yeah, and you know, with fruit trees in general, if you get a dwarf fruit tree, you're looking about three to five years before you're going to get fruit. If you're getting a semi-dwarf, you're looking about five to seven years. And if you're getting a standard-sized tree, it doesn't matter if it's apple, pear, or whatever, you're looking at maybe nine years. Now, you're going to have some fruit prior to that, but enough to actually do anything with. So Bob lives in St. Louis. Bob, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Mike? Very good. Good. Uh, I just had a question. Uh, do you know of a nursery around that has dichondra seed? Hmm. I don't, you know, to be honest with you, it doesn't it doesn't ring a bell with me. Have you looked at, you know, online? 
Yeah, I tried. Um, I mean, all I see is maybe for through Amazon or right. I'm not sure Dichondra is all is going to be all that successful here in the first place, and that may be why the nurseries don't have it. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's great right. if you live in Southern California or live in other regions, but uh, I don't know of it being. You know, I can't honestly say I see it. And what you could probably do is just go to mobot.com. So, in other words, the Missouri Botanical Garden website or mobot.org, okay. sorry, and see what they say about Dichondra. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. Good luck with that. And now let's go from St. Louis to O'Fallon, Missouri, into George's yard. Hi, George. Morning, Mike. Hi. Hey, last fall I bought a dwarf Korean lilac at a big box store and a closeout. Mm-hmm. It was in a one-gallon pot, so I put it in the garden, dug a hole, sunk in the pot in the garden, and it made it through the winter. This spring it looks pretty good. Is that something that you can grow in a container, or do you have to put that in the ground? Uh, it doesn't have to go in the ground. You can grow it in a container, but you can't grow it in a one-gallon container for no, a long I've, period of time. Yeah, I've transferred it to a three-gallon for the spring, and I'm not sure if, you know, something that I can make it through the winter in a container. Sitting above ground, even just a three-gallon, it might not be big enough, you know, for to have enough soil around it to insulate the root system. Mm-hmm. So that's you, where the yeah. you know the problem would come in. So you could have it in the container. You could put it in a more decorative container during the growing season, and just leave it in the black plastic nursery pot. And then when you know fall comes and the foliage starts falling off, then just dig a hole in a garden spot and just drop it down into the hole for the winter time. Then pull it back up and put it in your decorative pot. You know for the next growing season. What size pot would you suggest I put it into? You know, like a transport it for one thing and for two that, you know, would make it through the winter. Probably if, you know, I find, you know, for woody type things, usually about at least 20 inches across and about uh, 10 to 14 inches deep seems to be an adequate amount of soil for most of the time. Now, there are going to be some severe circumstances, you know, where all of a sudden this thing has been very successful and then it goes, ooh. It's too cold or it's too this or it's too that or it's too dry because things in the containers, you know, if we have dry spells in the wintertime, you really got to keep them watered. If you don't, then the root system can dehydrate and can be really problematic. Certain plants, you don't have to worry so much about things that are sold like bare root, like roses and things like that. They can dehydrate in the pots and not have a real, you know, real big worry. But other things, you know, the root system dehydrates. And then we get another cold snap right after that. The root system could be really damaged, and that could kind of, I'm not saying kill it off, but it can make it so it's not going to provide the aesthetics you're hoping for. And if you keep it in a pot, would it stay smaller than it would be if you put it into the ground? Uh, Depends upon the size of the pot. And, you know, the Korean lilac is not really a big shrub anyway, so you're you're not technically bonsaiing it. If you were wanting to bonsai, you'd have to pull it out of the pot, prim the root system like you would on a regular bonsai dish. And so th- there's more than just kind of keeping it in a pot and, you know, making it stay small. I'm speaking of that because a lot of there's some place I can't tell exactly where it is in my neighborhood where there's a lot of junipers. And the birds love the juniper, blue juniper berries. And they eat those berries, and they come and sit in my maple trees or on the power lines that run down the alley. Go to the bathroom, and I got this <laughs> this little forest of junipers. I dig them up occasionally and put them in window boxes and pots. I put one in a pot, and I put it in like a 12-inch pot because I wanted to see if I could bonsai it to a certain point. 
and it ended up about uh, close to four feet high. Wow. And, and so, and I mean, that pot, I, I finally said, I, you know, I don't want to have this anymore. So I pulled it out of the pot, and that thing was totally root-bound. So, you know, it, oh. th- that's kind of what you're, you know, I should have pruned the roots back. I did not do that. And uh, so that's kind of what you're looking at. Okay, we'll give it a year and see what happens. Appreciate it. Thanks. (laughs) Certainly. And now let's go over to Illinois, to Centralia, and to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Yes, I have a rubber tree Mm -hmm. that does very well because we put it outside. But how can we trim it so maybe fit back into the house? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, there probably hasn't been any new growth yet this year because you probably just put it out recently within the last month or so. So you can prune it like you would prune any kind of normal type of, you know, tropical type plant. And uh, just, I wouldn't cut it all back at once. I'd cut, you know, cut along, you know, the ones, let's say the branches are the longest. I would cut those back, but realize you can't cut them back too severe because places where there was previously leaves, which are now just potentially buds, may not push out any new foliage. Okay. So, so just be cautious with this. I know you've, you know, it's hard to get, sometimes it's very difficult when things get so large. You can prune it, and if it's not successful, then, you know, you may have to end up just getting yourself a new rubber tree. Well, we, you know, we're naturally attached. Sure. I know it was unusual, but <laughs> we appreciate <laughs> We appreciate all your information. Well, thank you. And it's not unusual to like a plant. I mean, there's been some things that have gotten too big for me where, I mean, I've had them in big pots and, well, a, a, a case not tropical-wise, but I have my knockout roses growing in containers. And, I mean, those pots are so heavy, it's like a monster, you know, deal for me to just get them inside. So, so by trimming it, we just... Decide what we need to trim, but not too far back. Then. Right, exactly. Okay. And I need to do the, do the right sign of the Zodiac, right? <laughs> Very much so. Okay. <laughs> Nothing like astrology to help with your plant material. That's right. All right, bye. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Mike Miller, KM Walks Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. I love the disclaimers at the end of spots. They talk to physics and I don't understand them. Anyway, let's go out to Chessfield and in Betty's yard. Hi, Betty. Hi, Mike. We have two magnolia trees in mm-hmm. our front, and we've never had a problem with them. And this spring, when they, the buds started coming out, we had that real cold snap. Right. And... I don't. The trees look like they're dead, but mm. I keep breaking off branch, like the branch, and it's still green inside. Do you think I should just be patient and have it? Maybe it'll bloom. Oh, well, I know it won't bloom, right. but maybe they're not dead. So they're not putting out any leaves at all. No. Well, little bitty ones. Ooh, that's oh. not so good. Really? Yeah. Both of them are doing the exact same thing. And how old are they? They're probably. 20 years old. Whoa. Oh. Are they, that's not a good sign. So are they white flowered or are they purple flowered? 
They're purple. Yeah, so there's, you know, the saucer magnolia, which blooms a little bit later generally than the star magnolia, which is the white one. Mm-hmm. And so if the leaves are undersized this late in the season where pretty much everything else is, I'm not saying everything has full-size leaves, but if the leaves are really tiny, that's not a good sign. And the fact that the inside of the, you know, twigs that you cut off or break off, or if you take your thumbnail and scrape the bark, it's still green underneath. doesn't mean a whole lot, to be honest with you, as far as the overall longevity factor. Okay. Okay. If we have to remove them, can we plant two other ones right in the same hole? No. Because there's too much wood there. Even if you have them cut out, you have the stump ground out and everything else, there's too much wood there, and that causes major restrictions for new tree or any kind of plant growth. That's why when people, I tell people, they cut down trees and they try to grow grass there, they try to grow this, that, and everything else. It's not going to work until that, you know, virtually the wood of the trunk, you know, that's down below the ground, below where it's been, you know, let's say, scalped out more or less, mm-hmm. and, or the root system that runs lateral. So you can put it out maybe six or eight feet away from where they are, just okay. probe around and do it that way, but you cannot put it right in the same spot. Okay, great. Okay, well, thank you very much. Yeah, even the stump grinding, people always think, well, I had the stump ground out. Well, that only goes down about 8 to 10 or 12 inches at the most. And the trunk, actually the crown of the plant, where the root system in the trunk meets, it goes much deeper than that, depending upon the type of tree. So thanks, Betty. And if anybody else has any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And Ray lives in South County. Hi, Ray. Good morning, Mr. Miller. Hi. How are you? Very good. Uh, I've been listening to KMOX since 1947. Oh, my goodness. But uh, anyway, has anybody had any problem with azaleas from the winter, from, you know, now or this year? There's been several people that, you know, as far as flowering-wise, are you talking about not recovering from the foliage standpoint or exactly what part of, you know, total? Uh, not, not recovering. Because I think I use Roundup in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like those azaleas anyway. No, if you, if you sprayed them with Roundup, that you'd have to spray it on the foliage. If you spray it on the ground, you don't get it on the foliage. It's not going to kill the entire shrub. Right. Yeah. So I, I thought I was being careful. Maybe the wind was blowing, but I got about seven or eight azaleas that are goners. Ooh. Yeah, because most of them, if they got some winter damage, it may have impacted the flowering. But a lot of them, I thought there was going to be more damage than what there actually was. A lot of the broadleaf evergreens, you know, look kind of bad. The bad foliage has already fallen off, and they've already reemerged with some new foliage. So if yours are still kind of like dead twigs, then that's not a good sign. Okay, well, thanks, Mike. Yeah, sorry. Well, hopefully you got some great pictures, or if it's too bad you didn't realize that something like this might happen. But in the future, what you can do is just, you know, obviously be careful as far as drifting and things like that. But just make sure that, I mean, there's something called a wick applicator that is a bottle and a tube and a sponge. You can just put the Roundup in that bottle and then just go along and dab it on things that you're trying to get rid of as far as weeds go. And then you don't have to worry about the drifting factor. Well, I learned my lesson. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and if you've been listening to the KMOX since 1947, actually you started listening two years before I was born. I was born in 49. So you have been listening for a long time. Well, you, 
you great program, Mike. Uh, I really enjoy it. Thank well, you very much. Well, thanks for having me on your show. I greatly appreciate it. Let's go now from South County. Stay close by and go into Crestwood. Ernie, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Listen, I see a lot of the oak blossoms all over the curbs in my neighborhood, and I'm wondering, is that something I can use for a, a mulch, and, and would I put it, and what would I put it around? It's free for the picking. Uh, oak blossoms. I don't know what an oak blossom really is. Well, they're they're uh, the they're underneath all the oak trees. It's they're, they're they've turned brown. You know where they have. You know, two weeks ago, last week, they were uh, all blooming, and then they've all fallen off and, and are uh, um, just blown around on, on the streets. Well, it's probably, um, you know, it's, you know, it is the flowers, but there's really not too much to them. I mean, they're really kind of wispy and everything else, so we're not know, talking about oh, galls, are we? Well, no, no, they're, okay. they're, 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 they're in, in bunches. You know, they're, they're clumped around, uh, um Oh, as big as a football in some places, and, and I'm wondering if I can do something. You know, it's free for the picking, so I right. just want to know if there's anything I can do with that, or is it useless? Just let it go. I would say, you know, I've never heard anybody of, you know, sort of like collecting oak flowers that have fallen on the ground, because a lot of the trees drop all that kind of stuff. The maple right. trees, the, you know, bald cypress and everything else, but uh, they really don't have too much to it, but I can't imagine... The only way they could be as big as a football is if the wind kind of rolled them all together. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what's happened, yes. Okay, so, I mean, you could try it, but, I again, they're so wispy, I don't know how long they're going to last as far as a mulch goes. I see. So, I I, I just, I mean, it's just all around the curbs uh, of the neighborhoods and, and right. along the, my uh, concrete and, and grass edges where it collects all that. Right. And, and uh um, I thought there, if there might be some value, you would know, uh, but apparently not. So uh, I'll abandon that idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can try it and then say, see, you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I mean, we have that, we have three sugar maples, you know, because we're on a corner. And we got that, you know, the maple tree flower debris, like, I mean, certain spots where the wind, you know, basically piles it up. I mean, it is a couple inches thick, I will tell you that. But I've never really, all I do is kind of sweep it up and, you know, throw it in the, we've got dumpsters that you can put yard waste into. So that's basically what I do. Yeah, that's what I've done in the past. I've just thought maybe there may be some... uh Recycling value, but uh, apparently not. So, we'll try it. Uh, I mean, well, I might try it. Yeah. I mean, there's well, nothing wrong as long as it's organic and there's, you know, you're not doing anything that could possibly do a problem or create a problem. You're probably just doing something that may not be to the advantage of the plant material. That would be the only downside of it. So experiment with it, and if it works, then you could say Ernie's uh, fallen oak tree flower mulch, <laughs> and you could be rich. But please share part of the money with me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Certainly. And now let's go to Peevely, and we haven't been there for a couple of weeks, and in the John's yard. Hi, John. Hello. Uh, thanks uh, Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Good morning to everybody. Um, I've got a couple of peach trees that are about uh, five or six years old, something like that. And this year, leaves have begun turning up, curling up on them like they're green and everything, but they've got, they just curl. Is there something that I should know or do or well, I would, you know, take a look on the underside of the leaf and see if there's any kind of, like, in, insect at all. You okay. Know, so maybe aphids. It's a little bit early for aphids, but usually, and, I mean, they look healthy other than the size of the leaf is correct and everything yes, else. they've got little peaches on them and everything. Yes, yeah. They look real good, real good, yeah. And how okay, about rainfall and everything else? Have you had adequate rainfall? 
I think so, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. so is this curl curling up or is it curling down? Uh, it's curling up. Yeah, so that to me kind of potentially indicates you may have an insect problem. Okay, good deal. But okay, uh, some look for. Yeah, yeah, take a look at you know the individual leaves, and then also you know I wouldn't have a problem just kind of running a hose out there and uh, running it at a trickle at the base of the tree, about six or eight inches away from the actual tree trunk. And if okay. we have an extended period, because we've had some really strong winds in these high temperatures, it may be just related to the fact that the tree is going yikes. You know, these okay. winds are dehydrating me and drying me out. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Sounds good. Hey, thanks for your information. Thanks. I, I try to listen all the time, and I get a lot of information, so thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me on your show. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. It's so complicated. I thought, you know... Basically, growing plants is complicated. Nothing like having a radio show. But anyway, if you have any questions or concerns or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We're headed to Creve Corps, and that's where Wayne lives. Hi, Wayne. Hey, Mike. Uh, I have a question for you. I have uh, about a half dozen so of um, scally, uh, scallywag hollies that are in two-gallon pots. I got them at a like a nursery closeout right before winter. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't plant them. I grouped them all together. Then I, I put some yard debris kind of around around them to kind of protect and insulate over the winter. Kept them watered. Um, pull them out this spring, and uh, the leaves are browned. And uh, there's no action on these things. I, I, I scraped the branches a little bit. The the branches look like they like they're green. However, they um, uh, there's no leaves. There's nothing at the base of the plant. Are these things dead? What do you think? Uh, what was the variety? It was a, a scallywag holly. Never heard of it. So my oh, guess okay. is it's a type of holly that, you know, it was scallywagged. It must have been, you know, hitchhiking along the highway and somebody picked it up. So I, you know, <laughs> no idea what that is. And to me, it sounds like they're not hardy for this region. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, there uh, you can. Uh, yeah, I've just I've seen them at nurseries before. It's just a, a different. I guess it's just a different variety of holly. But, right. But I mean, as far as if it were just a, just a holly, uh, and and it were were in this condition, would you say it's gone, or do you, should I try to coax them back, or what do you think? For it just depends upon how patient you are and how you know how prominent where you're going to plant them. If you have a spot where you can just install them, let's say in a bed space where you don't have to see these sort of skeletized, you know, stems coming up out of the ground and everything, and you're patient, I would go ahead and just, you know, pull them out of the pot or leave them in the pot, just sink the pots into the ground and go ahead and see what happens. And if you're not seeing any kind of new growth by, let's say, 4th of July, like, then I would say they're definitely goners. But if, you know, not seeing any growth by now, I would say... They're probably goners, but again, if you want to give them a, you know, just sort of a little bit, six more weeks or something to see what happens, you could certainly do that. Okay, great. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks for your show. Yeah, and remember, when anything's under stress, and this is for anything, whether it's lawn, whether it's trees, whether it's holly, whether it's this, that, or anything else, under stress doesn't mean put fertilizer on it, because fertilizing can really cause some real trouble. So if anybody has any questions, 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. 
Boy, I'll tell you, it has been a quite a wild springtime with the coolness and everything else. But you can kiss those cool season weeds goodbye because this hot weather, I mean, they're just melting away. The unfortunate thing is those cool season weeds like, let's say, shepherd's purse, let's say, Persian speedwell, let's say, prickly lettuce, annual bluegrass, common chickweed or henbit, they're melting. But you know what they've been doing? They've been dropping seeds, 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 and more seeds. Those seeds are going to lay there up until, let's say, mid to late August, and then they're going to germinate, and the cool season weeds will be coming back. Now, I will tell you the warm weather you know, got, is basically killing off the cool season annual weeds, but it's making the warm season annual weeds like ragweed and crabgrass and foxtail, all those, it makes them like, woohoo! And they're exploding. So it, it's like these weeds, cool season, warm season, they just pass the baton back and forth between each other. And each one of them just produces a whole lot of seeds. And that's what pre-emergence are all about. Jim lives in Fenton. Jim, how are you today? I got a snow crab tree in the front of the house, ornamental. It's been in the ground about 28 years. Last fall, a couple of the branches were dying this year. Only half of the tree has come out. Half of it on one side is dead branches, and I really want to know, should I get rid of it? Do you think I can cut all that off and it will prevail? It may prevail, but it would be the what would prevail is the part that still has foliage on it, but it may be just a downhill slide. 28 years is pretty old. You know, for an ornamental-type tree, you would think, well, think about these metasequoias and all these other things that live to be a 1,000. But in reality, that I mean, a tree in a landscape circumstance like what you this particular one, it's probably just, you know, old age as much as anything. And so it's just rather than all collapsing at once, it's just collapsing part of it at a time, maybe even related to the root system. Who knows what's causing it other than in relationship to the age factor. It's kind of what I'm thinking, but I think I might just go ahead and trim all that off this year. It won't look real good. See what it does next year. I guess I got much, haven't got much to lose. Yeah, right. I mean, there's no reason to rush out and cut it off. You don't have to do that by any means. It's strictly an aesthetic value, and it's an unfortunate circumstance, but 28 years, like I said, is pretty old. I appreciate it very much, Mike. Thank you. Certainly. And now let's go to Vivian, and she lives in St. Peter's. Hi, Vivian. Hi, Mike. How are you this morning? I'm very good. Good. Um, I need to know, what is the strongest weed killer I can use on my Zycheron? Well, what kind of weeds do you have? Oh, I I, I don't know. It's a beautiful <laughs> weed. It uh, has a little purple flower on it, and it roots underground, and it just goes everywhere, and it winds around my flowers and chokes them out. Well, but it, uh, it just, all of a sudden, it's just spreading everywhere. My guess is... Are, do you have a computer? Yes. Uh-huh. I would look, you know, go online and look at uh, a weed called henbit and see if that's what you have or see if that you maybe you have violets. So I don't know if you know what the violets look like. I do have violets. I have a patch of them. I love them. And this, you know, um, the leaf is more of a, a little scalloped edge leaf and, and it has the little light orchid flowers on it. It's really pretty, but it's ruining everything. Uh, 
ba- you know, it's a broadleaf weed, so probably just there's nothing going to be any stronger than anything else. I would just, you know, do repeated applications. If you're pretty sure that it's not an annual weed, so in other words, a cool season weed that's going to come back, you know, that won't come back, that's basically just dropping seed, uh, I would just use a Weed Be Gone type product. And you might have to make, op- you know, op- <laughs> let's say a lot of different applications over a period of time. All right, and uh, the liquid spray type thing? Yeah, but just watch out. You know, if it's in your lawn, you shouldn't have any kind of impact as far as on your zoysia lawn. And your bed spaces, you're going to have to watch out when you spray it because a weed begun can impact anything that has a wider leaf than a grass blade. So that's where the problem is in your bed spaces. Well, I, I usually sit down there and for an hour start pulling it out <laughs> around my flowers. That's about the only way I've been able to control it there. But it all of a sudden, it is just everywhere. Well, this this year, if it is henbit, again, go H-E-N-B-I-T, go online and see if that's what you have. Okay. Because if that is what you have, the heat is going to finally just kill it off. And it's oh. going to disappear on its own, so there's no reason to, you know, apply a broadleaf weed killer to it because you're just kind of wasting your energy, time, money, mental money, and real money both. So consequently, if it is henbit, you know, you know, just kind of leave it alone. There's nothing you can do. But next year, think about basically uh, getting a pre-emergent to put down in your lawn areas. But also make sure that you're fertilizing your zoysia and everything else to keep your zoysia vibrant and healthy because a healthy lawn is the best weed control there really is. That's not to say there won't be weeds as a result of bird droppings and all this other stuff or on the bottom of your shoes or anything else. But just realize that healthy, you know, healthy plants really helps you know, fight against pretty much anything, insect-wise, weed-wise, and everything else. Uh, what kind of fertilizer for zoysia? Just go to your favorite garden center and tell them you have zoysia. See which one they recommend. Okay. Uh, this this uh, weed, I call it Florissant Phlox because <laughs> my sister gave me a tree and evidently it came with the tree. <laughs> well, that may be the case. But uh, Florissant Phlox, I don't know that one, but uh, just take a look online. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Certainly. And, folks, we got another hour of the Garden Hotline, so realize that. So. You can get in line 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.